How many of you guys have ever had an excuse for not doing your homework? Yeah? Re come on. Everyone's hand should be up. You have at one point probably made an excuse for not doing your homework. Here's some excuses to the question, why didn't you do your homework? One, I was kidnapped by ISIS terrorists, and they only let me go, so I didn't have time to do it. It's a good one. Here's another one. I didn't do it because I didn't want to add to my teacher's heavy workload. I like that one. It's like, I don't want to inconvenience you, Mrs. Johnson. You look like you have a lot on your plate. Here's another one. We ran out of toilet paper at my house last night, and my dad isn't feeling so good. He grabbed it in a big rush, and I haven't seen it since. Gross. It was in my back pocket, and a pickpocket stole it. That's a good one. That's believable. Here's one. I gave it to a homeless man to help him insulate his cardboard box. That's a pretty fashionable-looking homeless man. Like, I'm, I'm sure that's probably the only pair of clothes he owns, but it's a, it's a good one. He looks good. Um, here's one. <clears throat> you said do questions 1 through 10. You didn't say bring them in. That sounds like one I probably would have used. This is a great one. My mother took it to have it framed because she likes my work that much. And finally, Kanye ripped it up because he thought Beyonce's homework was better. Yep, I know these are dumb. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed them. <laughs> so Matthew 5.13, let's see what it says. Jesus has something to say. Who remembers the word makairos? Anybody? We talked about it almost every week. Okay, what does makairos mean? Blessed, and what does blessed mean? Starts with an H, ends with a Y, and has an appy in the middle. <laughs> happy. Jesus spends the first part of his Sermon on the Mount telling people, hey, you want to be happy? You want to be blessed? Here's what you do. He's past that point now. He's past the point of telling us how to be happy, and now he starts telling us how to live our life. In Matthew 5.13, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. This sounds kind of strange. This sounds a little bit like a fortune cookie. This is a fortune cookie that my wife got at a Chinese restaurant recently. It says, being an able man, there are always. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but it's mysterious. <laughs> now, because I'm dumb, I skipped over the whole point for that homework thing. You're probably like, wait, what did that homework thing have to do with anything? I didn't have my notes with me, so I was just going off my PowerPoint. And I was sitting there, and I was like, I feel like I skipped a bunch of important stuff I was supposed to say. Here's what that was all about. So the whole homework thing, like we have excuses to do homework, we all make excuses, but one excuse that I've never made for homework when someone asked me why didn't you do your homework was never, sorry, I had other plans. Like I never said to my teacher like, sorry, I just didn't want to do it. I kind of had other things I wanted to do. I've never been like, I had other plans. A lot of us make excuses in our life, and a lot of times our excuse with God with the things he wants us to do is, sorry, God, I just don't feel like it. I just have other plans. And with Jesus, it's really easy to be like, sorry, Jesus, I got other plans, because Jesus never says, like, just nice stuff, like, hey, have a nice day, like, be happy, have a great day. Jesus actually tells us, like, hey, this is what you should be doing. This is how you should live your life. This is the change you should make. So it's very easy for us to hear what Jesus says sometimes and go, eh, you know what, Jesus, I got other plans. 
For some of us, it can be frustrating because we feel like we've got our life figured out and we feel like what Jesus is handing us is a new name tag and a new job for our life. Maybe you've got your whole life figured out and you know what you want to do and you know what you want to be. And then Jesus says something crazy like, hey, go be light, go be salt. And you're like, why are you handing me this name tag that says salt? That's weird. I don't want to walk into my job and have a name tag that says salt. I want to have a name name tag that says Veronica because that's my name. There's no one here named Veronica. And Veronica is not my name. Um, That'd be weird if I walked in here with a name tag that said Veronica. You'd be like, I think there's something wrong with Aaron. It's not a new job description. It's not a new name tag. He's actually defining our literal purpose. He's saying, listen, he's not, Jesus isn't saying, like, uh, let me go back to the verse. Let me pull it up, okay? So what does he say? Does he say, hey, try to be salt. Try to be the salt of the earth. No. What does he say? He says, you are salt. So because you are a Christian, because you are a follower of Jesus, you are salt. He's not saying like, hey, if you want to like try to really be a good Christian, try to be salt. Let me tell you how to do it. He actually says you are salt. So Jesus is describing something that you all are. So now that we know that we are it, it's important that we learn about how to be it. I want to tell you guys a story about an eagle who became a chicken. It's a true story. Don't look at me like that. It's real, okay? There was an eagle who soared with the eagle powers, and he flew. One day he landed in a farm, and the farmer was mean. He goes over to the chicken, and he says, well, criminally, I'm going to tap this chicken, or not a chicken, the eagle. I'm going to tap the eagle. So he grabs the eagle, ties some yarn around its beak and its wings, and then he puts it with a bunch of chickens. Well, now this eagle that once flew so majestically has a tied-up beak and tied-up wings. It can't, like, swoop up and grab a mouse. It can't fly. All it can do is just waddle around and just, like, peck at little seeds on the ground. So, therefore, the eagle starts acting like a chicken because it's been bound up. Well, a shepherd came into town, and he goes up to the farmer, and he says, What are you doing? Why did you tie up this eagle, this majestic creature? And the farmer's like, Well, I was just being stupid. Shepherd's like, you're dumb. So he grabs the eagle, and he unties the yarn around it. And he's like, be free, eagle. Be free. Use your eagle powers. And the eagle didn't do anything. You know why? Because for months, it had been acting like a chicken. It had been jumping around and pecking at things and not living up to its full potential as an eagle. It had gotten so used to being a chicken, it just decided in its brain, oh, I'm not an eagle. I'm a chicken. So the shepherd was like, how do I get this eagle to act the way it is. I'm not going to say like, oh, try to be an eagle. I want the eagle to know you are an eagle. So what he does is he picks up the eagle and he sets it on a high wall where literally there was nothing to do but jump or stay up on the wall. And the eagle's there and it's like, and it's looking over the edge and it's scared and it looks up and it sees the sun and the clouds and the sky and it remembers the days when it used to fly and soar and it all comes back to it and all of a sudden spreads its wings, jumps off the wall and starts flying. The whole point of that story is the enemy, the devil, your adversary, the Bible says he's out to get you and that doesn't necessarily mean he's out to like stab you or trip you or throw you in a hole A lot of times he's out to rob you of your purpose. He looks at you. You're an eagle. You're somebody the Lord has made to soar. I'm not trying to be like Disney inspirational, but I'm just saying God has made you with potential to do great things, to change the world. Like, I'm not just trying to be lofty and weird here. Like, literally, you can change your world 
through his words. His words change your world, and God has put his words in your heart. And what Satan is all about is not coming into your life to stab you or kill you. He's all about robbing you of your potential. He's all about coming to you and saying, hey, I know God's made you to be an eagle, but why don't we just be chickens? Why don't you just chicken out on everything God has for you, and you just wander around and just blend in with all the other chickens and just be like everybody else when God says, you are the light of the world. You are salt. Let's take a look at what it means to be salt. What did Jesus mean by telling us that we are salt? Here's a couple different things. This is going to be a really practical message. This would be a great one to take notes. If you want, you can pull out your phone. I won't be like, how dare you, Instagram? I'm giving you permission. You can take notes if you want. Um, But there's stuff in here that encourages me, and I hope it encourages you too. One of the best ways to understand what Jesus meant when he said you are salt is to look at what salt actually does. One thing salt does is it seasons. One time, I was with a friend at In-N-Out Burger. And as you guys know, I'm talkative. You're like, yeah, we know. We come on Sunday and you talk to us for an hour. Okay, I know, I get it, I'm talkative. So I'm sitting with a friend and I'm talking and talking and talking and just going on forever and ever and ever. And, and I, sometimes when I really get into a story, like my, my words just keep going and going, I'm just so into it. So the waitress comes around and she's like, do you want any salt? And I was like, I was like, yeah, 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 give me some salt. And I'm like talking, I'm like, so then I kicked him, and then I tripped him, and no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't describing like a mugging that I did, I, but I just, I was talking about something. I was just going and going. So the waitress comes around, and she like, like, boom, like throws the salt packets in literally on top of my fries, okay? Now, this whole time that I'm talking, I'm literally just grabbing handfuls of fries and piling them to my mouth and just continue to talk. So the three salt packets landed on top of the fries. I go for the fries full handful, three salt packets explode into my mouth, and I just make this face like, why? It was a bad moment. But I definitely learned in that moment that salt seasons. (laughs) It definitely adds flavor. Too much salt can be at fault. There we go. Too much salt can be a bad thing. Salt is absolutely meant to bring flavor, though, and the right amount of salt can season any dish. Does anyone see that and they get hungry right now? I haven't had breakfast. I'm so hungry, I want to just jump into the screen and grab that giant, if, if this was a piece of toast this big, I would actually eat it with, yeah, it's like the size of my face, three of my faces, I would eat it. <laughs> Here's the thing, salt is meant to be exciting. Jesus says, hey, you're the salt of the earth, be exciting. Some of you guys might think, aren't Christians bland and boring? Like, when I think of exciting, I don't think of Christians. I think of non-Christians. All you guys have grown up sheltered in Christian homes. You're like, when I think of exciting, I don't think of Christians. I think of, like, my homeschool mom. Like, that's, that's who I think of. Um, some of you guys, I mean, I don't know if things were as bad as you guys as they were for Christian kids in the 90s. But let me tell you, Christian kids in the 90s, it was rough for us. I remember a friend. Uh, we were on the playground. And, you know, he's like, I don't get to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, why, dude? He's like, because my mom was listening to the theme song, and it was like, turtles in a half shell, turtle power. And she's like, oh, no. No power but the power of Christ in this home. That's right. Shut it off. Shut it down. Throw the TV out the window. Go play outside and read your Bible and pray. It was rough for us in the 90s. Mom jeans, hairs up in buns. The moms, not us. That'd be weird. Um, My hair was in a bun all the time in the 90s. Anyway, Christians, aren't they bland and boring? Yes, yes, some of them are, if I'm honest. Some Christians are 
bland and boring. The world can look very attractive compared to the way that some Christians live their lives. But I don't think that's the, the way it should be. Have it, has anyone seen the movie The Giver? The Giver? Anybody? Yeah? Oh my gosh, it's such a good movie. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Is it still in theaters? Do you know? I don't think it is anymore. Okay. Okay. So get it on DVD. Check it out though, okay? So it's one of those movies that's kind of like Hunger Games or Divergent or Maze Runner. It's like set in the future. Basically, everyone lives in this perfect society. And it's like there's no war. There's no fighting. There's no like anything. There's, there's, it's, it just seems like perfect. Everyone has a job that's selected by them, uh, by the government. No one fights each other. Everyone gets along. Everyone's really friendly. Everyone knows their place. No one's like, oh, I'm stressing out because I don't know what I'm going to do after school and college. Like Everyone's like, no, I know exactly what I'm going to do. They picked it out for me because they've been studying me my whole life, and they know my strengths and my weaknesses. So everything's just decided for me. Like It's perfect. And everyone's just living their lives and having a good time, and it just seems very like just... Perfect. Well, there's this one boy. Do you, Morgan, do you remember the name of the boy? I don't. No? Okay, so there's, a, there's this dude, okay? This young dude, probably like 16 years old. He gets selected for his job, and it's the one job that only one guy in the entire world gets, and it's called the receiver of memory. And basically what happens is everybody who lives on the earth at this point doesn't have any memory of what life was like before they moved to their perfect society. There's no memory of war. There's no memory of hate. There's no memory of violence. But there's also no memory of love or romance or like, because there's no love and romance in this world. Like, marriages are selected. They're not even love marriages. It's just so they can make babies. And then they don't even get to keep their babies. Their babies are like put into a nursery and then given to other people. It's this super weird thing. Like, they don't, they don't even call their parents mom or dad. Like, it's just, this is my parental unit. Like, they have been assigned by the government to take care of me. So this kid gets chosen to be the receiver of memory. He gets to go to this old library where there's this old wise man with a beard called the giver. He's the giver of memory. He's the only guy on the planet who knows the memories of what things were like. So he, like, comes up, and he's like, I'm going to share my memory with you. And he, like, gets in his face and beams the memory of what life was like before right into the kid's mind. And it just blows his mind because all of a sudden he sees good things. He sees, like, a couple, like, kissing. He sees a newborn baby being born in, like, happiness. He sees, like, all of these things that happened in the past, in the old days, all the things that made life what it was, animals. In, in this future, there's no animals. He goes and he sees a hippopotamus and an elephant for the first time. He sees all these amazing things that just blow his mind. But then he also sees bad things like hate and destruction and war, but it gives him this well-rounded view of the world, and he realizes, I haven't been living life. I've been living a lie. Every morning, I take a pill that's been given me by the government that makes me think exactly the way they want me to think. Every day, I take a pill, and it, it takes away my emotions and my feelings and my passions, and so he ends up being a rebel, and he fights against everyone because he wants to bring the memory back to everyone of what life was like before they took away love and before they took away all this stuff, and it just reminded me so much of the Christian life because to me, that's what the Christian life looks like. Everyone else in the world is deceived. They're living a life that Satan has crafted for them. They're living a life that is a lie where they think they know what happiness is, but really they forgot what happiness is a long time ago. Happiness is a relationship with your God and your creator and your maker. They think they know what love is, but really it's just a fake version of love that's been crafted by the enemy that just goes off of physical pleasure and fades away and doesn't last and only needs to loneliness. 
And they forgot what a real love relationship looks like that's based off of the love we have with God. And it just makes me amazed to think that as Christians, we have real life. We have real love. We have all these amazing things. And so often, so often, we carry around the meaning of life, but we don't think it's that exciting. I think it's very exciting. Because literally there's people going around who have no idea who God is. And we are walking around with the message of who God is in our hearts. Can you imagine? Like, think, like you hear that, you're like, oh, yeah, I got the message of God in my heart. Okay, let's imagine that a space alien came from Mars and, like, landed and came up to you and was like, I'm here from Mars, and I come bringing amazing new foods you've never tried. And you, like, eat this food they give you, and it's, like, like even better than pizza. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And then the Martian's like, go and spread the news of the Martian uh, um, not invasion, because that'd be bad. Like, the, the Martian, what word am I looking for? The, the Martian homecoming. We're here to bless you. Can you imagine that, like, if they gave you, like, photographic proof that they were there and, like, the new food, I would totally go around and be like, guys, oh, my gosh, this Martian came. And, he, and they'd be like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, try this new food. Look at the picture. Like, I'd be so excited to tell that an alien came and visited me. Like, I'd be like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Well, not an alien, but the God who created the universe has come to visit me, and he lives in my heart. Why is it that so often I'm not excited about telling people? Why is it so often that you're not excited? You have the creator of the universe in your heart. That's something to be excited about. Listen, I remember I was talking one time to a girl who worked at Albertsons. I didn't want to talk to her because I was mad that day. I got a speeding ticket, and I, or no, it was a red light ticket. I never get mad. This time I was mad. I was late to a home fellowship. My dad calls me, hey, you got a red light ticket. It's $500, and if you don't pay it by two days, they're going to charge you $500 more. I never get mad. I was mad that day. I was walking through the grocery store like, Oreos, Cheez-Its, like throwing them in my basket, like just mad, like just, I'm like really, really upset. And I go out, and I see this girl crying. She works at Albertsons. She's got her apron on. Her mascara is running down her face. And, and I saw her, and God said to my heart, go tell her that I love her. I was like, I don't want to do that. I've got my own problems. I've got my own stuff I'm dealing with. And God was like, I don't care. Go tell her that I love her. She needs to hear it. And I was like, oh, fine. And I went over, and I was like, listen. And she looked up. She's like, Ugh. She had her makeup running down her face. And I was like, listen, I know you're having a bad day. I am too. It's been a really bad day. But listen. You need to know that God loves you, and he cares about you, and he's got a plan for you. She stands up and gives me a giant hug, and she's just like, oh, my gosh. I'm, I've been waiting for someone to come and tell me about God. She's like, I'm a Christian, and, and I know I haven't heard anything about God. I feel like God hasn't spoken to me in three months. I haven't talked to any other Christians. I've been waiting for this. It was amazing. Guys, listen, there's people all around you who are just waiting to hear about God's goodness. Christians, non-Christians, they're all around you, and they need to hear about God. Why is it that we depend on preachers to tell people about God when you have the message in your heart? God wants you to preach the gospel to Christians, to non-Christians, to your mom, to your dad, to your brothers, to your sisters. God wants you to speak the words of encouragement that point people to him. Here's another thing that salt does. It preserves if you guys don't know, salt used to be used before refrigerators to prevent decay and corruption. They would put fish and meat, they'd pack them in salt. They'd put them in bags of salt, and the salt would preserve them from going bad. Guys, our world today is full of corruption. There's lots of decay and corruption in our world. 
I remember the first time, I, I grew up at a Christian school, right? Didn't really know a lot, was pretty sheltered. As a youth pastor, I remember I went to a public school for the first time. And I went on the campus to go to the Christian club. I remember like walking through and there's kids dropping F-bombs every other like second. There's kids making out with each other by the lockers, like all this stuff. And I was watching for the first time. I was like, huh, like this is different than what I knew at Calvary Vista. This is crazy. And guys, I mean, that's just school. Like if you look out at our world and what's going on, people getting sold into slavery, people dying left and right, disease, corruption, the world is corrupted. As Christians, God has called us to be salt and to preserve things. And guys, one of the best ways you can do that, this is, remember, this is a practical message. I'm going to give you practical ways. Not all these ways will be for everybody, okay? So you just got to listen, and whatever's for you, take it, and then wait for the next thing if it's, you know, for you. But I think God's got something he wants to say to every single one of you guys specifically. Listen, at your schools, God is using the FCA clubs and the Christian clubs at your schools to be salt, to preserve God's goodness at those schools. The last time I was at Vista High School, I went to their uh, Christian club, and, you know, they had some changes, and the group was a lot smaller, but, man, that was a salty group. Those people were preserving God's goodness. They were standing up for what was right, and they were not only being salt, but they were being light, drawing in other people. Guys, think about this. If you're a missionary and you go to Africa and you're all alone by yourself, you're going to be bummed. You're going to be scared. That's going to be hard. But if you find another group of missionaries in Africa, that would be so exciting. You'd be like, I don't have to go through this alone. I've got friends. I've got support. For those of you guys who go to a Christian or who go to a public school and you haven't been to one of these clubs and you're kind of just going and just trying to figure out who you are. And I mean, guys, there are Christians at your school. It is such a good place to go and get encouraged. It is such a good place to go and connect with other people who love God and get strengthened. And then you can go out and you can be salt and light in your school. It's hard to be a lone Christian. But here's the question. Do you look at school like I'm there to be a missionary or do you look at it as I'm there to be a native? Because and wouldn't that be weird if I told you guys, like, hey, guys, me and Brooklyn are going to Africa to be missionaries. And then we go over, and then you, you don't hear about us for 10 years, and you're like, what happened to those guys? And then you go to Africa, and we're, like, living in the jungle, like, wearing grass skirts and, like, dancing around fires. And we're like, wait, I thought you were here to be missionaries. You're, like, worshiping idols and dancing around fires. And we're like, oh, yeah, we went as missionaries, but we decided to become natives. God has sent you to your school to be missionaries, but a lot of you guys end up becoming natives. You adapt to your culture. You end up being just like everybody else, talking like everybody else, acting like everybody else because you want to fit in, but God is called to be a missionary. If you're there as a native today, tomorrow is Monday, go to your school as a missionary. I don't know how. That's scary. I've been living as a native for a long time. Pray. Ask God for help. He will change your heart, and he will give you the mission he's called you to. Salt can preserve life. They throw it on the roads to keep people from slipping. Life is slippery. Life is hard. Listen, if you go to your school as a missionary, if you go to one of those Christian clubs, if you can, if you've got time in your schedule, if you show up to one of those Christian clubs, listen, you don't know what's going to happen. You're in there. You're connecting with other Christians. You're getting filled up. I've seen it. The door's open. And what I've seen is last time I was there teaching, Towards the end of the service, a couple kids who didn't know Jesus wandered in the back because they heard the message and they heard what God was saying and it attracted them. You don't know who's going to wander in the back. There's people who are slipping all over in life, slipping this way, slipping that way. You can be like the ice on the road. They see you. They see your example and it keeps them from slipping. Meeting you could keep them from slipping 
off a cliff. Meeting you and meeting Jesus through meeting you could change their life. Are you willing? Are you open? And are you ready? The next thing is that Saul heals. Saul has, or Saul, (laughs) salt is healing. It has healing properties. That's why if you have wounds and you go in salt water, a lot of times it'll help your wounds. They, back in the day, would wrap wounds in salt. Salt has healing properties. I want to share with you guys a story about a kid named David. David's dad had passed away from a heart attack during David's sophomore year. His mom couldn't afford his school, so he had to transfer to a big public high school. He came from a smaller school, so this is his first time in a big public high school. It's one of those schools where you know, uh, your class has like 600 people in it, and they have to divide it up between all the different classes. It's tough. So David is too scared to meet people. He's too scared to reach out himself. He's too scared. So a lot of times he just ends up getting hurt. He's teased because he's chubby and because he has weird clothes. Dad died. Mom can't afford good clothes. He's wearing hand-me-downs. Things are tough for David. He's alone. And he sits by himself every single day. Well, a girl named Allison noticed him. Allison was a well-liked girl, and she ran with a group of four cheerleaders who were all very involved in their school and also in their church. She heard other kids whisper rumors about how his dad had died, but no one made any effort to reach out to David. Bullies kept teasing him, and one day, Allison decides she's going to do something about it. She sat with David, alone, because she tried to get her friends to sit with her, but They didn't want to. They all said it was too weird and too awkward. So Allison goes by herself. Now, at first, David is shy. He doesn't say much. He's thinking, why is this girl sitting next to me? He thinks it's pity. He thinks she's just pitying me. She doesn't really care about me. This is just one of those pity things. She's going to sit with me once, and then I'll never see her again. Well, the next day, she sat next to him. And then the next, and the next. Every day for three weeks, David starts to open up. They start talking about their lives. Allison revealed that her dad had passed away from cancer last year. David was shocked. He said, how can you be so happy? She goes, I'm not always happy. Sometimes I still feel sad. I still miss dad a lot. I still cry a lot. And David says, why are you so different? So Allison shares with him, it's because I have Jesus. It's because I have the hope of Jesus in my life. She told about how even things, when, when they get bad, Jesus brings her hope and joy. David's blown away. He goes, that's what I need. That's what I've been missing my whole life. So Allison says, listen, let me tell you more about him. Here's the application, guys. Jesus calls himself the great doctor. He calls himself the great doctor, and he looks at the world, and he sees the sick. My question for you is, do you have eyes to see the hurting? Are you willing to put your own life aside and reach out to someone else? Are you willing to give your time and popularity to give God's love to other people? A lot of us aren't. A lot of us are self-centered. A lot of us are self-focused, and a lot of us are self-driven. Life is about us and how we can be successful and comfortable. Jesus calls us to live a life that is uncomfortable. Jesus calls us to live lives that the world would look at it and think that's not success, but in God's eyes, there's so much success. But a lot of times we sacrifice God's amazing plan, his riches and his treasure and glory on the altar of comfort on the altar of not being awkward, on the altar of just just getting through life, breezing through and not having any drama, we can sacrifice what God wants to do. And hearing this might give you something called conviction. 
In fact, I hope you're convicted because conviction is good. It's proof that your heart is still alive. Conviction is the pulse of the human conscience. And since we're talking about conviction, the point of that is that salt stings. If you cut your hand and you put salt in it, who's ever gotten salt in a wound? Anybody? It stings. It's rough. It hurts. One of the things Jesus says is, he says, I hope that you will be salted with fire. He's talking about how salt can burn just like fire. God's word speaking to your heart, convicting you, can burn just like fire. It can sting. Guys, I want to encourage you guys. Be open to what God is saying to you. If you feel like it's stinging right now in your heart, that's a good thing. Because remember, salt stings, but it also heals. Let it happen. Here's the other thing, though. Some of you guys may have friends in your life who sin. Go figure. You know, I sin, and I have friends in my life who sin. We all sin and have friends in our life who sin. Here's the deal, guys. A lot of us, because we don't want to hurt those friendships, when our friend messes up, when our friend blows it, we're way more likely just to let them keep going down their path of destruction than we are to say, hey, I love you, so I need to tell you that what you're doing is not right. A lot of us don't want to do that because it's awkward. Can you imagine, though? Can you imagine? You guys know the story of the lepers? Story of all the lepers in the Bible. There's 10 lepers. Jesus heals 10 lepers. 10, when you had leprosy, you basically, your nerves were dead. You couldn't feel that you were sick, but you were falling apart. You were like a zombie. Your arm would fall off. Your leg would fall off. You'd get stabbed and you'd bleed, but you wouldn't feel pain, so you wouldn't care. So there's these 10 lepers, sick. They'd go into towns and they'd have to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. And Jesus heals these guys. He reaches out. He touches them when no one else will. And nine of them don't even thank him. But one guy comes back and thanks him. Well, what if the story was different? What if the story was that Jesus healed one leper, and then that leper goes to his friends and sees that they're all still leprous? He's, he can feel now. He's healed. His wounds are gone. He's clean. But his friends, they're getting hurt. They're stubbing their toe. They're bleeding all over the place, but they can't feel it. And they don't even know they're lepers. Can you imagine if that friend who got healed saw his friends who were just bleeding and, and, and getting messed up and falling apart and was just like, hey, you guys are awesome. You guys, oh, you guys, I love you guys. Oh, man, I hope you guys are having a good day. God bless you guys. Like, no. He, would, he should be, oh my goodness, you're falling apart. Like, look at you, you're bleeding out. You need to come see Jesus. You need to come see Jesus. Guys, telling your friends that they're sinning should never be like, hey, I just want you to know what you did was wrong, and I think you're a sinner. You need to think about what you did. And then, like, you walk away. It always needs to be, hey, listen, you're falling apart right now. You... You've got sin in your life. You need to see Jesus. Come on, let's pray right now. Let's talk to Jesus. It should always be, it should never just be about pointing out the sickness. It's about getting the sick person to the doctor. And I think some of you guys have friends in your life right now, and I think you're just used to telling them what they want to hear. You're just used to telling them that they're okay. It's it's okay. Everything's fine. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to go through these next parts really quick. Just, Just listen, and whatever God has for you, you take it, okay? So, Salt penetrates. If you don't know, a single grain of salt can permeate an entire gallon of water. I knew a story about a guy at State University. 
His name was Chris. This is a, he went to a, a university where it was party city. Just everybody partied left and right. Lots of drinking, lots of drugs, lots of loud music, lots of dancing all night, just lots of stuff. It was college lifestyle. And this guy, he would party every weekend. And then he'd wake up on Sunday morning and he'd notice everything was cleaned up. And it didn't make sense because the night before there was broken cans and broken bottles and broken glass and trash and potato chips everywhere. And now in the morning, everything's clean. And he thought to himself, wow, we must have some really good janitors. I'm glad they're around to clean up our mess because, man, we like to party. So he goes into the bathroom, and he notices there's vomit all over the floor. And he's like, oh, that's disgusting. Like, why isn't the janitor here? And he sees a guy on the ground cleaning up the mess. And he thinks, oh, it's the janitor. Good. But then he notices it's his neighbor, Marco. And he's like, Marco, what are you doing? That's not your job. Marco goes, oh, no, it's fine. I mean, I do this every week. I I come in, I, I clean up after the parties. And Chris goes, Marco, you don't even go to the parties. Like, why would you do that, man? He's like, hey, I just, I do what Jesus tells me to do, and this is what he's telling me to do. Just, it's just what I do. That speaks volumes. Doing what no one else is willing to do, that's being salt. That's amazing. That is being straight up salty. That is loving people. It's doing things without expecting anything in return. Doing things so that no one will see, just you and God know. Doing things to bless other people. Guys, salt through love penetrates the heart. It goes deep. God can use you to get through a hard heart just by doing simple acts of love, simple acts of kindness, loving people, serving people, laying our life down. You're in the culture you're in. Penetrating that culture is not done through just yelling about your Christian rights, just complaining about how things aren't going good for Christians. That's not how it's done. Infiltrating culture as a Christian is about loving people. Jesus says, basically, in a catchy way to say it, salt that's lost its flavor hasn't got much in its favor. Jesus says, and, you know, I was going to go into light, but we're running out of time, so I'm going to close with salt this week, and next week we'll pick it up with light. I'm excited because we're actually going to have two high school students teach the next study. It's going to be, hopefully, Trevor Clark and uh, Lauren Krippner will be sharing with us. So we're going to split it up between the two of them so they can talk about light next week, and it'll be fun. So we're going to finish with salt this week. Salt that's lost its flavor hasn't got much in its favor. What Jesus says to us is, Hey, if salt loses its flavor, it's not good for anything. It's only good for being trampled underfoot by men. Throw it out, let people walk on it. That's all it's good for. You're called to be salty. There's a story I want to share with you about a pastor. This pastor decides that before he starts his new job as a church pastor, he's been traveling around, he's been doing things, he gets hired in a a church, a big church, to be the pastor of this giant church. God puts it on his heart to speak a message to the people. So he comes up with a plan. So the day where he is supposed to start his first Sunday teaching, he's nowhere to be found. People can't find the pastor, and they're wondering, when's the pastor going to show up? Why isn't the pastor here? So it's, it's just like any other Sunday. Imagine like our church. People are out in the courtyard. People are in the sanctuary. People are bustling around, having a good time, buying their breakfast sandwiches. All of a sudden, through the gates comes a homeless man. And this guy is filthy. 
He is just messed up. Long beard, scraggly hair. He's got flies buzzing around him. He's got nasty stuff all over his clothes. Looks like he hasn't showered in months. He starts walking up to people. No one will look at him. No one says hi. No one will even just spend any time with him. No one asks him how he's doing. No one offers to buy him food. At some point, a couple ushers come up to him and say, sir, you're going to have to leave. Like, we don't, sorry, but you're just, you're scaring some of the people. Like, we, we don't want you around. And they, they kind of push him around the corner. So it comes time for the church service. And everyone's in the sanctuary, and the, the, the pastors, the other pastors on the church staff, they're freaking out because they're like, where's the pastor? Why isn't he here yet? I don't understand. And everyone's sitting in the pews and they're waiting. The door opens up and the homeless man walks in. And the usher's like, I thought we got him. I thought we sent him away. How did he get back inside the church? And he opens up the door and he starts walking on the stage. And everyone's like, what is he doing? And the homeless man walks up to the stage and he says, hello, my name is Jeremiah. And I'm your new pastor. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus has called us to love people. He's called us to reach out to other people. That's the reason I dressed up like this. That's the reason I, I grew out this beard and my hair and, and, and put on these clothes is because I wanted to see if you people would love me. I wanted to see what kind of church I was getting into. And when I came here, no one said hi to me. No one reached out to me. People gave me dirty looks. People rejected me. I couldn't even buy a sandwich in line before people kicked me out. And he said, guys, that's not right. God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. He's called us to lay down our life for our friends. And even though I'm not really a homeless man, one day another homeless man is going to walk through our doors. Are you going to love him? Are you going to reach out to him? Are you going to give him Jesus? Or are you going to just reject him and devastate him and mistreat him like you did me? And everyone in the audience is just like, they're, they're tearing up, they're crying because they realize their sin. Guys, the problem with that church is it had lost its saltiness. I want to ask us, is, is our church, Calvary Vista, and specifically this youth group, Crossroads, are we salty? Do we have the flavor of Jesus? If a new kid walks into the room, are they going to feel like, man, this place has the flavor of Jesus? People are loving. People introduce themselves to me. Someone offered me to sit next to them instead of just sitting with their friends they always know. Someone saw me sitting in the back by myself in the corner and was like, hey, no, you come sit next to me. What's your name? Who are you? Where are you from? Is that the kind of church we are? Are we the kind of people who love unconditionally? Are we the kind of people who reach out? Are we the kind of people who bless others no matter what the cost to ourselves? That's the question I want to ask you guys today. Now, admittedly, sometimes it can be difficult to be salt. Sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes your alarm goes off in the middle of a study, and that's okay. Here's the important thing. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about what God is telling you in your heart today? You've got a world of people out there to reach. You've got a world of people out there to make an impact on. I'm talking about people in your school, whether it's a Christian school or non-Christian school. I'm talking about people in your family, 
whether it's a Christian family or a non-Christian family, God has called you to reach people. You've got a message in your heart of what Jesus did. Guys, what I've seen even in a lot of Christian homes where you have maybe Christian parents who love Jesus and you have Christian siblings who love Jesus, life is so busy, there's so much homework, there's so much after school activities, there's so much, so many sports games and practices that a lot of times talking about Jesus doesn't really happen that much unless it's prayer at the dinner table. What I want to encourage some of you guys to do is if that's the case in your home, don't look at your parents and think, well, it's their problem. If God is stirring you up with a message in your heart, you share it. Sit down at the dinner table and be like, mom, dad, this is what God is showing me. You'll blow them away. You'll encourage them. You will bring joy and saltiness to your family. Don't miss the opportunity. God, I don't care if you're freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. God is calling you to speak out in your home and bring the flavor of Jesus to every situation. In your school, in your groups of friends. Are there people at your school who are left out, sitting by themselves, alone? Are you willing to go beyond just saying hi to them one day, but to actually take weeks, if that's what it takes, to break through that wall that that person who's lonely has set up and become friends with them and lead them to Jesus? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to do the hard things that God is calling us to? Because remember, he doesn't say try to be salt. He says you are salt. I encourage you to go home and pray about what does that mean to me? What does it mean that I am salt? And let God show you. I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you that he knows what you're supposed to do. And every single one of you guys has a mission and a calling. Not, I'm not talking about the future. Like, one day I'm going to be a missionary. One day I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor's wife one day. No, God has a mission and a calling for you right now. So stop waiting for what it is and talk to him and he'll show you. Ask him today. Go home. God, what do you want me to do right now? In my home, in my school, on my team, in my environment, how can I be salt? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to show you guys a video, and then we'll be done. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much, Lord, that you have called us to be salt and light. And even though we didn't get to talk about light today, God, you're saving that for, for next time. But today, Lord, salt is what we're supposed to focus on. And God, it's so easy to have the flavor of the world. It's so easy to just marinate in the things of the world, God. But you've called us to stand out. You've called us to reach out. You've called us, Lord, to do things for you. God, I pray you'd realize it's not about these big, giant things, Lord, but it's about small acts of obedience, faithfulness, kindness, and love. Show us, God, how to be your disciples. Show us how we can live like you. I pray for these young students that you would bless them. I pray, God, that they would turn to your word. When they're in doubt, when they're wondering, how can I follow you, Jesus? How can I love you? How can I reach out? I pray they'd open up their Bibles and look at what you have to say to them. They would study the scriptures and know through your teachings and your stories how they, too, can reach out and love others. God, I pray you would help them to follow you with their whole hearts. We love you, God, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.